It is Locked on Jazz for the 19th of January. I have a little special announcement I'm going to share with you in just a moment. But in the meantime, we'll talk about Donovan and the concussion and what the Jazz need to do tonight against the Rockets. If Donovan is out. Players are the back of their basketball cards, and it's pretty crazy. Plus, is there a chance that Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson were benefit benefactors of no fans in the stands, and we have unreal expectations? That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for tuning in and making Locked on Jazz your first listen of every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and you can subscribe right there, right there. YouTube, push that little button, subscribe for free on YouTube, hit the little bell, get notified whenever we go live or drop an episode, tell a few friends, appreciate it, or follow us on any of the podcast providers. Thanks so much for tuning in. Good morning to Lee and Josh and Gabe and Derek and Garrett and Ryan and Ray is here. We Ray went to both games. Ray did a Denver LA back-to-back this weekend. Good for her. All right. And is coming to Salt Lake tonight. Wow. She's not kidding around. Um, So I want to share on a personal note. Um, I think you guys all know I'm not the biggest believer in round numbers, right? Russell Westbrook's triple doubles are overrated. But for me personally, tonight is my 1,000th regular season Utah Jazz game. Obviously, we've called more than that because of the playoffs. But tonight is my 1,000th regular season broadcast. Um, My first game I actually ever called was March 8th, 2009. Hot Rod uh, was unavailable. And so I went to Toronto to call a game. My first regular season game as the radio voice of the team was 2009, the next year in Denver. Uh, Darren Williams, Ronnie Brewer, Andre Karolinko, Carlos Boozer, and Mehmet Okor, Utah Jazz, um, were, were the team. Chauncey Billups played for the Nuggets that night, as did Carmelo Anthony. So I'm, 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 you look at this thing, this is old. Um, it's been fun. Ron Boone is thoroughly unimpressed by my thousandth game, by the way. I just want to let you know. He's he's completely unimpressed. Since he played 1,041 consecutively and now is broadcast been in the league for over 50. We were trying to figure out Ron's number um the other day, and I, I, I couldn't quite uh come up with it. I did I did try though. Um and there's a Google Drive document of us trying. His is complicated because of the fact that he um that he actually didn't um he didn't call every game when he first started. So we went and tried to, um, you know, find some of that. Um, and then uh, bowlers is even way is more impressive than that though. He has his is hard to figure out because they have a bunch of national TV games where they don't. So radio is actually the easiest one to figure out. Um, I tried to figure out both those guys. Uh, he, here's the ultimate though. Let's, let's give the tribute to where the tribute is due. Hot Rod called 3,051 games over 35 seasons as the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. 
So I would have to call a game. I, my estimation is it would be, I'm sure I would miss some between now and then. So it would probably be pushback. But without too many misses, I've missed three. Uh, I went to watch my son participate in the um, Alpine Junior Ski Racing National Championships twice. And um, then I uh, was sick once. Um, and Klauke filled in and Bowler filled in. And some, so I've missed three. Um, so I, if, if I kept it that kind of pace, we'd be at February of 2047. 2047. I would be 76 years old and I would uh, prob- maybe 75. Let's see. That's 20. Yeah. So maybe 75 years old. And I would be uh, to reach hot rods, 3,051 games. Ah, that's incredible. Um, so who knows um, whether or not um, that could ever happen. Seems, seems rather unlikely. Would you have to agree with me on that? All right, uh, let's get to the issues you guys really care about. That was enough about me. Let's get to you. Um, Ramona right away wants to know if we can get Montrezl Harrell. No, we do not want Montrezl Harrell. Um, I mean, he might be an upgrade as a backup center, but um, he got in a fight in the locker room this year. Um, Montrezl Harrell told on himself when the he said, the Clippers didn't even offer me a contract last year. Um, that was kind of revealing, right? Like if he's putting up those kind of numbers and the Clippers don't even offer him a contract, you're actually telling on yourself there's a reason. Um, and he's a horrendous defensive player, as we found out last year with the Lakers. Uh, we probably can't play this game in which every single time a player becomes available, we're like, oh, we have to have him. No, let's figure it out. Like, I think it's very complicated, though, in this regard of, like, what we're trying to get and who we're trying to get and, um, and how we upgrade the team. I, I've talked to you guys about it a lot. It, there's no... There's no real easy answer here. Um, and what frankly is daunting to me about all of this is if we don't have a good playoff run this year, which we could be really good. And this first round playoff matchups right now seem to be either seem to be Dallas, Denver with Jamal Murray, Lakers with Anthony Davis. Clippers with Kawhi Leonard. That's your first round of the playoffs right now. Um, and to me, what jumps out to that is you could be really good, have a good season, still lose in the first round. And then I was actually reading the Dream Shake, which is the Houston Rockets blog this morning, just kind of getting ready for the game. And their point was like, if we don't have playoff success, we blow it up. And I and I was like, oh, that actually that's actually not outrageous. Like, if we don't have playoff success this year, the pressure on this on the front office in the offseason after you know the various Rockets, Warriors, then Nuggets lost, Clippers lost, and if we you know went out in the first round this year, yeah. So that like to me is what's daunting about this is like it does feel as though okay, there's some pressure cooking here. Time is becoming urgent. We've got to figure out something, and I don't have an easy answer on what that is in any way, shape, or form. I, I actually think that the team's built about as well as it can be built for the personnel that we have. And it's our guys figuring out how to be successful together and how to, how to work this. I think we're getting a little bit better though. We weren't the other night, the five out offense. Um, I think we're got to figure out how to defend out of the five out defense. Um, I think obviously we have to defend when Rudy's not on the floor a little bit, though that'll only be eight minutes a night in the playoffs. Um, you know, when people move Rudy and play small, as we've seen last night, the other night with LeBron at the center, as we saw with, with Terrence Mann at the center in the playoffs, 
these are the same issues. And I, I don't know how you, what trade you can make that would alter any of those issues as being the things we have to deal with. And then I'm not sure what trade you can make that actually makes us better. What is interesting to me, at least in some regard to this, is how creative some people are getting. Like, I actually love this. There's a little thread going around of people that are sending me the idea because I like the secondary rim defender of Miles Turner, who's now hurt as the secondary rim defender. Like, that's a pretty interesting concept to me. Um, I don't think it works because I don't know how you would defend and I don't know how you get back in transition defense and if they spread everyone out. But, like, you actually have to defend the ball. Um, and I don't, and the numbers on Miles Turner are, if I correct, am correct, are not good defensively this year. Like when he's on the floor by himself without Demata Sabonis, they're terrible defensively, which is a little revealing. Now, it could be small sample size and strange, um, but that is, that is one of the things that's kind of out there right now. And I think that's pretty creative. Like that's, that to me, just the old, as I've talked about a lot, oh, just the athletic wing we need to add. It does feel like we need to get more athletic and that we lack athleticism and we lack some physical strength in some of these and the guys that they're bigger than us. Like, but just, oh, we have to add the athletic wing to me seems kind of strain. I don't know if it's like, it doesn't do it for me. And adding a 23 or 25 or 30% three-point shooter certainly doesn't do it for me. So it's an interesting little game we're playing, um, trying to figure these things out all the time. Uh, and it, it's, you know, it's it's real. All right, uh, Donovan out with a concussion. Um, I wanted to do something I think is totally fascinating. Hopefully you think it's interesting too. On At this point, halfway through the season, which of our players are the back of their basketball card? Who's having an up or down year? And then Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson are both off their numbers a little bit, but there was a whole theory out there that some players shot better in empty arenas during the bubble and then most of last year? And do Jordan and Joe fall under that possibility? So that's a an idea for you uh, of what we're, was coming up. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Murdoch Hyundai's got a great lineup of cars. And according to the latest I've got from Blake and the crew over there and Jason, is that there are cars coming in. So finally, we have the opportunity for you to get the cars, get off the lot and have your cars. Uh, is The shortage is hopefully, at least Hyundai is doing a nice job with it uh, right now. So excited to have you uh, get that opportunity. Here's the latest. The Sonata won the North, excuse me, the Launcher won the North American Car of the Year, which is kind of great. Uh, the Sonata is the sedan that I was driving recently that was just outstanding. And then one of you bought it. I'm so bummed. Um, and then, uh, the Santa Fe we've purchased twice. You have the, the uh, Tucson and I'm driving the Kona right now. Um, Paul just recently reached out to me. Uh, Jason Kidman, former jazz sponsor at SOS um, Securities, uh, dropped by SOS Support, uh, dropped by and stopped by and headed over there. If you want to head over to Murdoch, kind of email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at, at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter and the crew over at Intercap do amazing work. We're so excited to be partnered with them. They have grown and grown and grown. Why? Because they get deals done. And that's the best part about Intercap. When they first started, they had 2018 with us. Then they doubled their business in 2019. And now they're rolling. Headquarters in Utah, with they hyper-responsive. They embrace change. A super borrower experience. And we have our own personal loan officer and Steve Carter, who the reviews are endless and beautiful. Give Steve Carter a call, 385-885-28. If you want a personal 
connection to him, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. And I will email you guys and set up a meeting with you with Steve Carter. The reviews that come in are amazing. He's done two of my loans. He's done our COO's loan of Lockdown. Anyone I know, I'd send to you. So please, if you're looking for a loan right now, trying to get something done, go to Intercap. They get the deals done. And Steve Carter will give you that personal treatment that's just remarkable. His number is 385-885-28. But if you want, you can email me first at DLOCK09. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, Locked On Now on the podcast form has both NFL, NHL, and NBA breakdowns of last night's action. The NHL one hosted last night by Daniela Bruce. Congratulations to our anchor, Daniela Bruce, who was the first Red Wings analyst, woman analyst ever. Kind of cool. Um, all right. So I thought this was crazy. So... And hopefully this isn't going to like overwhelm you with numbers, but that seems appropriate. So Boyan Bogdanovich on catch and shoot threes. I broke down all of our players' numbers on catch and shoot and off the bounce threes, which I think are two different skills, and what they were and how they relate to their career. It's pretty interesting. So at this point of the season, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's actually in a little bit of a slump, he's about 20% from three over the last five. Over the last two years, shooting 41% on catch-and-shoot threes, and right now is shooting 41% on catch-and-shoot threes. Like, we worry so much about these guys. You're going to see this. This is incredible. They get to their number. Now, we take short sample sizes, and we start to have, like, oh, my gosh, they're this or that, and we react day to day, and we have an artificial concept, which is that every 48 minutes of basketball is somehow this grading system that we get to take at the end of every day to evaluate when it's actually just a much larger concept, right? So. Um, Jordan Clarkson's catch and shoot is off. He's 32% this year. He's been much better recently, but the last two years, he's at 38%. We'll dig into that here in a second. Joe Ingles is off. He's two of his last 15 going into last night. He finally hit two of them the other night, so he's a little better. He's at 41%. The last two years, he's at 47%. Okay? So both JC and Joe are not quite the regular catch and shoot numbers. Roy O'Neal is at 40% on his catch-and-shoot numbers for the last two seasons. He's been 39. He also gets a little less good as the year goes on, so he'll probably hit right on that number. Mike Conley is at 43% on his catch-and-shoot numbers for the year. For the last two years, he's at 42%. It's really crazy, isn't it? Um, Rudy Gay's at 36%. Last year was at 40. His numbers are all over the map. Donovan's interesting. Donovan the last two years was at 43% on catch and shoot. And this year's at 32%. Like that's the number on Don that's just not making sense is his lack of catch and shoot game right now. Okay, pull-ups. Donovan is at 35% on 250 attempts. His number last year was 34. So 35 to 34, right at his basketball number. Jordan Clarkson's heated up on his off-the-bounce threes. Over the last 15 games, he's been at 39%. But for the year now, Jordan Clarkson's at 34%. His last two seasons, 33%. Right on his number. Kind of crazy. Mike Conley is at 42% on his off-the-bounce threes. He's really actually hotter than that probably recently. Last year, 42% on his off-the-bounce threes. Isn't this crazy? Boyan Bogdanovich so far this year on his off-the-bounce threes, 39%. Last two years, 39%. It's insane. 
These guys are the vast back of the basketball court. Joe Ingles, who is over his last six on off the bounce threes, four of his last 19, so this number's come down a little bit recently, is at 33% on his off the bounce three. Last year was at 37. It would not take a lot for Joe to get that number back up, but he's been in a little bit of a scuffle. Um, Rudy Gay's at 39%. Last year was at 32. Again, his sample size is pretty small. So we suddenly have Donovan's on, off the bounce. Donovan's on his number. Jordan's on his number. Mike's on his number. Boyan's on his number. And Joe Ingles is not. Okay. On catch and shoot threes, Boyan's dead on his number. JC's not. Joe's dead. Joe's not. Royce is dead on his number. Mike Conley's dead on his number. And Donovan's not. So it made me wonder, in the case of Jordan and um, Joe Ingles, whether or not some of it is an artificial bump from the empty arenas. Now, follow me on this. It's kind of a weird concept, but there is a theory out there that shooting last year was so much better and shooting in the bubble last was so much better that it's led to an artificial number by which when like we look back at a player's year and we say, well, last year he shot this, that that's really not a accurate representation of what took place. So the to, to give you some of this background, the bubble starts July 30th of 2020. And the question is whether or not there's artificial shooting numbers in this period of time. So if you take the shooting and you go, let's go to cleaning the glass. So we only use, um, they unfortunately do not have, we can't do back to back seasons. Like what I really, what I tried to do earlier today with cleaning the glass was that I was going to look at two seasons in a row uh, and link them together and they don't have it. So three point shooting in the bubble was at 37% from all the bubble teams. Um, excuse me, 37% of all threes. Where's he? Yeah, was it 37%? Okay. Then it's hard to tell last year because not every arena was the same of when you decide that it was no longer the bubble, right? So, um, but season starts, you know, in a, we can, we can do that. And I think let's take, let's take all-star break is kind of beginning to be, we started having crowds in um, we started to have crowds in December. I think most people had them by all-star break. So if we just take February 15th of last year as our middle date there, the three-point shooting was at 37% again from that mark on. Now, if you then take the back half of last year of and we say take We'll just kind of keep it consistent. We'll take February 15th. And this is not too scientific, right? Because every single arena was a little different at that point in time. And um, we go to last year at the end of the regular season, the three-point shooting for the back half of last year generally stayed the same at that 37%. But so far this year, three-point shooting is down a little bit. Um, and it is not as, um, let's see if Give me one second to find you this year. I have, um, there we go. I have some, fil- I had a filter on that was blocking. This year we're down to 35%. So there's a feeling that, and if you go back and look, by the way, so we go back to pre-bubble and go to 1819 season of 
uh, we were at 30, the league was at 36% and pre-bubble we were at 36. So there's a little bit of a feeling in the league that the, um, that the, the league's shooting has come back down to reality after a bunch of guys shooting well in empty arenas. And the question is, were Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles two players that shot better in empty arenas than they have in full arenas? Jordan and Joe might be listening to this thing to themselves like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's just an idea. Um, and frankly, I'll give credit. SLC Dunk wrote a, you know, I didn't love the headline, but their, their job is to get clicks. So um, I understand their business model. Like the Jazz have a Jordan Clarkson problem. Um, but it was interesting. He, you know, basically the writer who I didn't catch the name, I apologize, you know, went back 100 games and said, like, if you look at 100 games worth of Jordan Clarkson here, like this is kind of who he is. And that's an extended stretch. Well, that 100 games lines up exactly with when we started having fans back in the building. So let's look at both Jordan and Joe and whether that's it. Uh, somebody just asked me if this was Kobe. Yes, that's a picture of Kobe from his last game. And um, uh, I was calling the game. So that I got to call Kobe's last game. Of my 1,000, I've had some pretty interesting, or 999, let's not count our chickens. Um, of my 999, I've had some pretty interesting ones. Um, and I had this whole season as a Sonic, so I'm over 1,000 for my career, but my 1,000th as a Utah Jazz uh, radio announcer is tonight. So, um, but yeah, I've had some great ones. I mean, I've had some very fortunate opportunities. Sundiata Gaines is up here, by the way, um, on that wall for those. Signed picture of him taking that shot. Um, so all sorts of things. And, you know, not to mention the, you know, that March 11th of 2020 is fairly memorable in this whole process of, of things. All right. We'll look at that. Take some of your questions, um, of whether that's the case. Uh, we don't like to throw out hypothesis without actually backing up whether it might be true or not. Uh, have you played prize picks yet? Cause it's super fun. It is the easiest, um, NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it's really the best also. It offers the more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. All the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers a prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You can pick two to five players and over-under on the projections, and you can win up to 10 times on an entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers rather than against a bunch of experts. You can also mix and match so you can take Mike Conley's threes and Aaron Rodgers' yards if you want to. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store or Google Play. PrizePix is safe and offers the fastest withdrawals. Go to PrizePix today. Go to the App Store. Download the app. All the users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get a $50 free if your prize pick entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit or use the promo code NBA will get a $50 free if your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. They probably don't love that. Um, Turo Puffs are lovable and they're back Right now, they're on sale, too. Uh, they are 15% off, but the promo code LOCK15 gets you that anyway. Ruby chocolate are the puffs also. Lemon dip cheesecake, pretty good. Coconut brownie chunk is still there. Brian Goldmark, our sales guy yesterday, was like, all right, what is every on three, what is everyone's favorite uh, built bar? Kylie uh, Young, who is our director of operations, and I immediately both said coconut brownie chunk. Our uh, COO said caramel almond delight. 
um, was surprisingly good, he said. Uh, he loves it. So that's his reorder. Uh, you can decide for yourself. Um, Churro Puffs are out there today and available, plus the promo code LOCKED15 will get you 15% off on the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 carbs, 4 sugars, and 17 grams of protein. Love those built Bars. They're a daily, daily feature in my life. It is Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz the first listen of the day. Locked On Now is available for you with an NHL rundown, NBA rundown, and then NFL will get you ready for the week as well. Um, All right, so let's start with Joe Ingles. It's kind of an interesting, like, let's look at it. So Joe Ingles in 2020 in the bubble, in the eight games in the bubble, he shoots 42% from three. So Joe coming into the bubble for his career had been 36, 39, 44, 44, back-to-back years, 39, 40. A little under 39. So he's been about a 39% three-point shooter. He had the two 44s in there, but kind of if you even it out and you look at his first five years, he was 30, 39%. We can, we can push it up to say it was 39.5 and round it up to five. It's pretty close. So give him 40 because uh, he's Joe. So then we look at 2021. And... Let's look at the splits first. It's, it's you know, and we say, now there also could be, you know, Joe's not young, so we also could have that he's aging as a process. But um, January, Joe shoots 50% from three, predominantly empty arenas. February, 47% from three, predominantly empty arenas. March, 55% from three. There's beginning to be some people in the arena. April, 44. And then May of last year, he shoots 33% from three. I don't know, but it is interesting. I I think he would probably disagree adamantly, but if you were to take him just to say March 15th, and you have him at 46% from three on the season, which is, you know, outside of his historical norm. I think that's a fair comment. And if you were to take the last half of his season, you have him at 44, which is pretty darn good. But if you suddenly back it down a little bit, and now remember, late in the season, Donovan and Mike are hurt, and he has to cover for all of that. He misses it. He ends his streak of consecutive games during the year because he's beat up a little bit, and he closes the year. You know, frankly, in the last 20 games, he's actually still pretty great because he he gets really hot and he shoots 37% from three um, in there. So it's it's you know, but I would say this: the last 20 games of the season. Joe shoots 37% from three. His career average on three-point shooting is, is actually a lot closer to 27 or 37. I, I say 37% from three. Then the 44 and 45 and 46 he was clicking at last year. His career number is 41. His number prior to last, the bubble and the non-crowds, was about, as we said, 39 to 40, and he's right there. So right now he's at 37 and his attempts are down, and it's, you know, there's probably 34. There's probably some aging aspect to it, but it's an, it's not outlandish. His 37 is not outlandish if he didn't have the 45 last year, the 42 in the bubble, and you suddenly maybe start to look at that there might be, might be very, you know, no way to prove it, but there is this theory out there that certain guys shot better when there was no one in the crowd. And so, I you know, I, I have... um you know, I, I, I would say, um, now, you know, there's my, um, there's my little kind of note on, on Joe, you, you guys decide this one's, 
this one's, you know, there's no way to prove this. There's so many other noise. This is a, definitely a signal in the noise issue. So let's look the same concept. Let's look at JC. Um, and I, you know, JC is a career 34% three point shooter for his entire career. Um, right now he's at 32. So he's just off by a little bit. Last year, he was at 35, a little bit above his number. And in Utah in nineteen twenty, he was at 37, which is a little bit considerably above his number. So if we go look at JC, let's go back to the bubble as our first stop with Jordan and see what he shot. No fans in the crowd in the bubble. So for the eight regular season games from three in the bubble, he shot 37%, which is above his norm. Um, and if we look at the eight playoff games and add that on, he he was a little less because he did not shoot very well at the end of that series. If you recall against Denver, he ended up shooting, I think two finishing two of his last 12 He's at 35%, but close. All right. So let's look at last year with, with Jordan. And is there some kind of thing? If we look at his month by month, he shot 38% from three in January. If you count the four games in December, he's even a little higher. Then he shoots 36% in March. Then fans start to come back, excuse me, in February. Then fans start to come back in March, and he goes to 29%, and then April 33, and then the final nine games of May, he's at 36. Oh, like that kind of begins to ring true to the same story. If we play the same game we did with Joe, where we just kind of break it, didn't that Golden State Warrior, they go to play at Golden State, there's no fans in the crowd, and then they go to Boston and Washington, D.C., Jordan up to – that point is shooting 37% from three, the 38th game of the year. And then you split this the other way and take it to the end of the year. And suddenly Jordan shooting 32% from three. Now to the point of the guy who wrote the SLC dunk article, and I sincerely apologize. I shouldn't know his name. That's crap of me. Um, is that all of a sudden here we have Jordan now, Game 39 through 72, he's at 32% from three, taking nine a game. That's not okay. Like he's, so his last 30 games of last year, he shot 40% from the field and 32% from three. That's a, that's problematic. Like that's like, you know, honestly, there aren't enough rebounds, assists, defensive stops for him to be taking that many shots and have it be, and then at that low efficiency and have it be okay. Like you can't be taking 17 shots a night at 40% from three and 32% from three, 32% from three without having somewhat of a negative impact on your team, just efficiency wise. Um, so, it, you know, he finished the year really strong is worth noting, but it's an interesting little hypothesis that all these other guys are right on the back of their basketball card and Joe and Jordan are not, but Joe and Jordan both spiked during the bubble and the non fans time. And so maybe there's a little bit, of an unreal expectation on the two of them of what they're supposed to do. So if you look at Jordan, you know, in his career, Jordan's three point shooting this year is at 32% and he should be at 34. Okay. That's he, he can get that back probably with, by just warming up a little bit here. And the same is true for Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is 37%. And I would argue his career is really 39 or 40, not the 41 and not the 45. It was last year. And so he can probably get that back up too, but there's a little bit um, of that. Um, this is a really good point. Um, and actually we saw this coming. If you, if you, we talked about this early in the year, Dan Clayton tweeted yesterday that Joe has run half as many pick and rolls this season compared to last hard to stay focused and engaged when you're not getting the possessions you used to. I mean, this is the real, 
Yes, 100%. Now, two things happened here. One is that Joe was not good in the pick and roll at all early in the season. Um, and so that is um, that is a huge part of it. Um, the second part of it that I think is, and so that's where Donovan's emerging, right? Donovan's the number one, was the number one pick and roll guard for a long time. He's number two now. He's getting the ball more. This has always been the rub on, on Joe a little bit to me, is that I want Joe to play Boyan's role, where Joe gets down the floor early, gets those threes. I think he's number one in the NBA in three-point shooting in the first six seconds of the shot clock. And Joe wants to come back to get the ball, to run the ball, to, to have the ball for a pick and roll. Um, the other part, though, is that you do get into that if Joe's really not your third ball handler anymore and you're not using him that way, then there is a redundancy to him and Boyan. Then they become very similar. Uh, Boyan has a little bit more offensive skill, but in some ways they become similar. So um, it's interesting. Dan Clayton does just amazing work. Uh, and I should know whoever that SLC dunk guy was because he did a good job too. And I apologize. I really should just look it up and give him props. Anyway, everyone can tell him he got props without his name. And then he's going to be really bummed. He's going to hate me and think that's crap. And he's going to write an article about how crappy I am on my thousandth game. No, I don't know. Who was it? Let me just look it up. Uh, Calvin Chappelle. Calvin Chappelle wrote the piece at SLC dunk. All right. Um, I always admire those guys. I know how much they're getting paid or not. And they put in the work. Clayton's incredible for a guy who doesn't get paid at all um all right that is locked on jazz today kind of a weird little idea but i want to throw it out there get you guys on the journey uh thanks for tuning in thanks for being supportive appreciate you and uh we'll be back with you tomorrow after the jazz beat the rockets hopefully have a good one see you